0: We can only do what we can do standing on the shoulders and being lifted up by those who walk alongside of us, and US Missions has done that for us. With a video like that, all you need to do is give an altar call afterwards. My wife and I, it's such a delight to be here this morning. My wife sends greetings. She is uh, back at home packing suitcases. We're going to rendezvous Tuesday in Phoenix, Arizona for some grandparents' time. So she's packing suitcases full of toys for the kids. But she has always enjoyed coming to this part of America because there's a lot of Italians up here. And my wife's Italian and she feels right at home. But U.S., my wife and I have been 33 years with the Assemblies of God Missions program. We were, as your pastor mentioned, uh, in 1990, we were appointed the very first missionaries to the country of Romania. And from that time, we served Romania, we served France and French-speaking Europe, we served in Phoenix, Arizona, working with refugees, and now as Senior Director of Intercultural Ministries. But U.S. missions exist to go into those neglected areas of America, to be the arms and the hands of the local church to reach people like you just saw in this video, to reach ethnicities, to reach those with disabilities, to pull those out of trafficking. And uh, it's incredible to see from my viewpoint to, to be able to pastor these great group of missionaries to see what God is doing and to see the ever-present love of God for the lostness of man. It's incredible. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. I am going to do my best to stay within time this morning. But in Acts chapter 8, you're going to find that Saul is severely persecuting the early believers of Jesus. Stephen one of the deacons that was appointed to oversee the daily workings of the congregation has just been stoned to death and on the day of his execution the Bible is very clear that a great and severe persecution broke out against the early believers and all of the people were scattered throughout all of Judea and Samaria scattered but for a purpose Because everywhere they went, they proclaimed the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse number 5 of Acts chapter 8, we find Philip in Samaria evangelizing the Samaritan people. Now, the Samaritan people were not a favorite people group to the people of Israel. Samaria was not a favorite place for the Jewish people to go. The Jews and the Samaritans held hostility against one another for centuries, and a Jew considered that the Samaritans were dirtier than a dog. And a really religious Jew, if he needed to go to the other side of Samaria, rather than dirtying himself by going through the land, he would take the long way around it so he would not have to go to such a filthy, detestable, deploring place in his mind. Yet it was in this place that we find Philip preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus. He was compelled by love and the knowledge that God was not willing that any soul should perish, not even these people that his did not even like. And in obedience to going and proclaiming the good news of Jesus, Philip experienced a tremendous success Great crowds gathered to hear the preaching of the word and to witness the miracles that transpired at the hand of Philip. Demon-possessed people were gloriously set free. The crippled leaped and ran for joy. So great was this move of God that the Bible tells us that the entire city was rejoicing. This revival became so large and the word began to spread that it made its way back to Jerusalem and the apostles sent Peter and John to minister the Holy Spirit. And when they arrived, the apostles laid hands on these believers in Samaria and another Pentecost transpired and they were gloriously filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And in the midst of this new Pentecost, with hundreds Coming to the Lord. The Lord speaks to Philip and tells him to leave it all beside and to go stand along a deserted desert highway that ran between Jerusalem and Gaza. Philip obeys and We really don't know how long he stood on this road, but he was a man like me, and I would think after a few moments of standing there and seeing no movement of life, except maybe some tumbleweeds blowing in the wind, he probably looked up into heaven and cried out, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Back in Samaria, my gifts were being used. Back in Samaria, hundreds of people were coming to Jesus Why did you call me to this desert road where there is absolutely nothing taking place? Before too long, he hears the rumbling of the sound of a chariot. And as it draws near to him, the spirit of the Lord speaks to Philip and says, That's why I brought you here, Philip. Draw near to the chariot. As he drew near to the chariot, he hears the voice of an Ethiopian Jew reading from the book of Isaiah, and he cries out, excuse me, sir, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, the Ethiopian said, unless somebody explained it to me. It reminds me of the scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, that says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Philip gets up in the man's chariot and using the book of Isaiah, the scripture the man was reading, he begins to explain the gospel of the Messiah and all of a sudden the scales of religiosity begin to peel off of that man's eyes and he sees Jesus as his Lord, his Savior, his Messiah. They find a body of water and Philip baptizes this man and the story ends with the Ethiopian going on his way rejoicing... And Philip is transported by the Holy Spirit and he is found some distance away preaching the gospel of Jesus. Now this is an exciting narrative to me. And one morning as I was reading this passage in my devotional, some things began to leap off the page and the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart some things that I believe will be a blessing this morning and will compel you to get out of your comfort zone to be the witness God desires each and every one of us to be. So what is it that I see in this passage that speaks to me? The first thing that I see is the fact that God desires to use you to reach this world for him. How do I see that in this passage? It's real simple. I see it in the fact that before the diaspora, before the church was scattered, Philip was not a pastor. He was not an apostle. He was a lay person appointed to be a deacon by the early church to take care of the needs of the widows within the body of Christ. He was not in the professional ministry before he was scattered to to Samaria. But he took the command that Jesus gave to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that tells me the Lord wants to use everybody in these last days to be a witness for him. You see, the Great Commission is not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries or evangelists, it's for all who call upon the name of the Lord. He wants to use you. Well, how does God use individuals? Primarily in three ways, and really, your pastor preached my message this morning. First of all, God uses us in our intercessory prayer life. I don't know why he chose to do this, But the God of heaven, the God who created everything there is with the word of his mouth, the all-powerful, omnipotent, great I am, has chosen that he will not work in the affairs of men unless his body, the church, prays and asks him to do it. Therefore, if we are not praying, God Almighty is not moving. It's a divine partnership. Oh, but if we pray, the devils tremble. Strongholds come tumbling down like the wall of Jericho. If we pray, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves... Pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. They'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Folks, we need revival in America. We need revival in this nation. But it will only come as the body of Christ gets alone with him in prayer and in intercession asking him to do it. So why don't we pray? God uses those who pray. Psalms chapter two, verse eight says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. When you pray for Saudi Arabia, when you pray for Israel, when you pray for America or some other nation or people group that the Lord lays upon your heart, God hears. He dispatches his army of angelic beings. He opens doors where there seems to be no doors. He makes ways where there seems to be no way. He responds on the behalf of those who pray. Hallelujah. When we served in Romania, my wife... In the early years, we were sent to the Assemblies of God with a book called Where There Is No Doctor because medical conditions at that time was really, really bad. And within a few months of being there, my wife contracted, according to that book, every symptom of cholera. She could not eat food, drink water. By the end of her sickness, she would weigh under 100 pounds, would fit into a size two dress, would be too big for her. We found a doctor who came to our apartment in Bucharest, checked out my wife and said, I know the medicine that she needs, but unfortunately it does not exist in our country. Unless God intervenes for you, your wife will die. I get on the phone to call America to get people to pray. I didn't make many phone calls because in that era, there were no direct lines to America because of them coming out of a communist regime. I made one phone call and I said, please call as many people as you can to pray. We need God to intervene. Thirty minutes later, my wife, who had been in bed for two weeks, too weak to get up, suddenly was rejuvenated with strength. She got out of the bed. She went to the kitchen, got something to eat, and never had the problem again. Amen. Healed by the power of God because someone... Someone prayed. God uses you in your intercessory prayer. God will also use you in your ability to go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, you know it by heart. It's the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the last marching orders of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we stand before him and crowns are given, rewards are handed out, the first thing he's going to ask you is, what did you do with the great commission that I left in your hands? And we're going to have to give an account of ourselves. The church in America is not growing at the rate that it should be growing because by and large, the church has stopped going into the highways and hedges, compelling the lost to come in. In Phoenix, Arizona, one of our dearest friends is a medical doctor from Egypt, and that is really her secondary career, being a doctor, because she is first and foremost an evangelist of Jesus Christ. And you will find her in her spare time on the streets, handing out tracts, sharing Jesus and seeing lives transformed. And one day she, t- she told my wife, Drew, where is the American church? They should be out here with me. Don't you know that God has called us all to the ministry of just showing up? Because if we show up, if we're his hands extended to the lost in this community, God will do his part through you. So he'll use you in your ability to go. Parents, be willing to relinquish your young people to the call of God for ministry and for missions. Don't hold on to your kids so tightly that you won't let them fulfill what God is putting on their heart. God will use all of us in our willingness to go. And another way that God uses us is in our ability to give. It takes money to do the work of God. You know that as well as I know that. But in the assemblies of God, even though we are strong missions giving. We still buy more Coca-Cola, dog food, and Starbucks coffee per year than we give to the cause of Christ. Well, your money should be laid up where your heart is, right? And this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to make a commitment to what is on God's heart. You see, God's heart beats for the lost of men. And God will use you in the way and your ability to give. So this morning at the end of the message, each one of you at your seat got this little card. And just take a look at it for a moment. Pick it up and look at it. This is not a contract that this church is ever going to send you a, a note saying, you have not fulfilled your, your, your commitment to missions. This church will never do that. What this simply is, is an act of faith before the Lord where you are open to the Holy Spirit. Notice it says faith commitment. Faith is what you cannot do. Faith is trusting God for the impossible. This is an opportunity this morning for you to listen to the voice of God and partner with him and watch him provide through you. God uses you in your ability to give. He'll do it every single time. God wants to use you, your prayer life, your willingness to go, and your ability to give. Now, the second thing that I see in this is if you will take a step of obedience towards the Great Commission, then have faith. That's the second thing that I see. Expect fruit from your labors. Expect that when you pray, something's going to happen. Expect that when you go, something will transpire. Expect that when you give, lives are going to be transformed around this world. Have, develop, grow in you a spirit of expectancy. Have faith. Now, my wife loves to plant seeds. When we lived in France, one year she dug holes and she buried 200 tulip bulbs in the, in, the, in, the, in the ground. She did that knowing that if she did her part by faith in a few months, she would reap that which she loved, and that was flowers. Have faith. Jesus said, I will build my Church, expect it to happen when you say yes to God's voice and calling. We have a missionary that's in our department by the name of Janie Weed Mobley. Janie grew up in a minister's home in the state of Colorado, and at a young age, the Lord burdened her for ministry and called her to reach Hispanics for Jesus. She laboriously learned to speak the Spanish language, and she set about to dedicate her life to partnering with God and having faith and having a spirit of expectancy. She's now in her 70s with no signs of quitting, and in her lifetime, she has helped plant 200 churches for the glory of God in the United States. Talked to her just last week. In the last five months, she's planted five more churches for the glory of God. Have faith Have a spirit of expectancy. We labor together with Him. Have faith that if you do your part, He's gonna do His part. And His part is far, far greater. Now, the third thing that I see in this story, along with having faith, along with God using us, is the fact that we can expect the supernatural to follow us, just like it followed Philip. Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, you'll drive out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll pick up snakes with your hands. And and when you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you. They will place their hands on the sick and they will recover. So what are the criteria for the supernatural to follow the body of Christ? Real simple. It's reserved for those who are walking in obedience to the great commission. The supernatural is intended only for those who are about the master's business. You have to believe. You have to have faith. You have to trust God that it will happen. And these signs will follow those that believe. When we served in the nation of France, we had the privilege of hosting Evangel University's choir and orchestra. They were touring Europe. And they wanted to spend some time with us, and they did a concert in one of our Assemblies of God churches in France. They were in tuxedos, evening gowns. It was a very, very elegant evening, and they began to play and interspersed with their playing. They would give testimonies, and the Spirit of God began to move. And in that congregation that evening, one lady was healed of a major back injury, and another one was healed of terminal cancer. That's what happens when you are about the Father's business. You can expect the supernatural to follow you. Let me encourage you this morning to start believing God to move in a supernatural way. It speaks to this world like nothing else. God loves to show up and validate the preaching of his word with signs and wonders following. Now, the fourth way that I... Fourth thing that I see in this story that really spoke to me is it's very clear in this story that God's ways are not our ways. So trust him. He knows what he's doing. You see, in the beginning, when the Lord told Philip to leave behind this tremendous revival and to go stand alongside that deserted desert highway, it didn't make a lot of sense Why would a man be called away from a revival with hundreds or thousands coming to Jesus to a lonely, deserted road where there was no one? But God's ways are not our ways. And he knows the beginning from the end. And he knew that there would be an Ethiopian eunuch who would be traveling down that road, who would be searching for truth, and he needed a believer divinely planted in that desert road to be a witness for him. There's going to be times in your life when the Lord tells you to do something that makes absolutely no sense in the natural This morning, some of you are going to write down an amount on this paper that absolutely doesn't make any sense according to your pocketbook. But when that happens, trust him. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what he's doing. He has a divine purpose. He needs to strategically place you and use you. Hang on, a chariot Is coming. And when the Lord speaks, and he will, he expects one thing from us, and that's obedience. What would have happened had Philip said, Lord, I'll go to that road, but I'll go next week. It fits my calendar better. What would have happened? He would have missed the opportunity. The Ethiopian Jew may have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, God is looking for people who will obey him the moment that he speaks. Because really, if you look at it, delayed obedience equals disobedience. So trust and obey. There used to be an old song in the church, trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The last thing that I see in this, and I'm coming to a close never underestimate reaching one person for Jesus. We all want to be a success in everything that we do, but our idea of success has been skewed by the American culture. In our mind, as an American, to be successful means that it's hopping and growing and thousands are there, that's success in the eyes of an American. But in the eyes of God, success is obedience in reaching the one that he puts in your path. That's success in the eyes of God. Friend, God wants to use you. He wants to take you out of your comfort zone and he wants to thrust you into the firing line. He wants to use you in this community, in this state, this nation, and around the world. And he'll do it as you take up the mantle of prayer, as you give like you've never given, and as you say, yes, Lord, send me. I'm available. Did you know there's people that you can reach that the person beside you can never reach? There's people that you can touch that Pastor or myself can never touch. Because God's got a purpose and plan for you. He wants to use you. I want you to bow your heads, please. Lord Jesus, what a privilege, what a privilege to gather together to worship you this morning. We sense your spirit. We sense you walking among us. We sense you speaking to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that in these next few moments, right where we're seated, that we would respond to the nudge of the Holy Spirit and recommit ourselves afresh and anew to the kingdom. First and foremost, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And with that comes certain rights and privileges, but there also comes duties, and that is to be obedient to you. So Lord, afresh and anew this day, We commit ourselves to the Great Commission. Would you use me? Lord, you've divinely placed me where I am. I'm in the neighborhood that you want me to be. I have the job that you want me to have. You have divinely placed me there, not just to meet my sustenance and to take care of my family, but you've placed me there to be a witness for you. So would you use me? Would you... Help me to be sensitive to that still, small voice of God when he speaks and nudges me to speak to that coworker or neighbor or person at the supermarket or wherever I might be. or just make me sensitive so that I can be obedient and going. Lord, I would pray that when you speak to my heart to pray and intercede, that I would be found obedient, crying out and calling out to you to move on the behalf of men because eternity is at stake here. And you want to move, but you'll only move if the church prays. So, Lord, we commit ourselves again to intercession. Lord, let us be found faithful. Let this church be known as a praying church that affects this world for you. And, Lord, we once again commit our pocketbooks to you. Lord, everything we have belongs to you. And I pray that as we speak this morning, we'll hear your heartbeat that beats for the lost and You'll speak to our heart right now an amount that you want us to write on this paper, something that is beyond our physical capability of meeting, but it's going to be a divine partnership where we trust you to meet the need through us. So would you begin to speak to our hearts of what you would have us to give to missions through this church? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to serve you. What a privilege we have as the blood-bought children of God to be your vessel to serve you all of God's people said amen. If you'll take that faith promise form and a pen or pencil, whatever you have and just fill it out. This is just a a step of faith between you and the Lord. Again, I said this church will never send you a bill. But it will help the church have an idea of what they can commit to missions this year. And friends, time is running out and this church wants to give more and more so that the lost around this world will have an opportunity before it's all over. Can you say amen? Amen. So you fill this out and pastor's gonna come up and tell you what to do with it as you leave this morning. Pastor, would you come?